Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Well, welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, Bryn Starnes and Chris Legg. Guys. Hello. How's it going? Hey. Great Good. to see you. Glad to be back together. Um, today is a little bit of a different episode in that we are wrapping up our season of Is the Bible Immoral by Today's Standards? Which, to be honest, I feel like it's happened every time we've done like a little theme. <laughs> Lately, it's been like, oh, this actually took a little bit longer. <laughs> and people had questions and stuff like that yeah. uh, than we thought. Oh, so. uh, yeah, way longer. Yeah. I remember us thinking like, oh, we'll I'm sure the sexism one. Right. I mean, we'll, we might have to think of some ways to other things right. to talk about on that session. It just, three, yeah. three or four episodes <laughs> later, we're going, oh, we're still talking about this. Yeah. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was really, at least for me, I, I really enjoyed digging into some of those things. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of, and a lot of those things, I'm curious what our listeners would, would say, but for sure, those are things that I just hadn't really thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those are valuable conversations to have, not only just for your own faith, but also for, and you know, if you haven't thought about it and you have no idea what relationships you're going to have in the future. And so I just think being prepared right, and gaining this knowledge and understanding is not it, mm-hmm. I see it as valuable. Yeah. Well, and <clears> I think some of the questions that we covered, it may be one of those things that not everyone has questioned, but if you have questioned it, it was probably significant for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like the stories that we've heard or the experiences that, that we've had, some of the questions, yeah, maybe we've never thought about them, but right. some of them I, we had specifically heard, no, this was like a roadblock to my faith specifically or a friend's faith. And so, right. I think it's valuable for that reason too, of like, if you have thought of it, it may have been a significant roadblock. And then like you're saying, if not, you know, it's preparing you to have good conversations with other people and just remembering yep. just cause I haven't thought of it doesn't mean someone hasn't. You right. It's a great but, point. Yeah. Yeah. So from an overarching theme, unless you're wanting to say anything to that, Chris, did you have any comments on just the, the question itself on the, yeah, I'm, I'm more just, is saying, the okay. Bible, is the Bible immoral by today's standards? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> and yeah. I feel like the short answer is yes and no. Yes and, and we no. have to dive into what we mean by that. Yep. Yeah. I think that's part of what took us a while. And I, I still feel like in the back of my mind, there's a couple of other headings that maybe we've missed, um, in, in at least unpacking the way we could. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was what was intriguing was as we unwrapped the questions, I was think I think... Even even having this kind of preconceived notion, I was even surprised the degree to which, in all honesty, the Bible and current thought about sexism, slavery, um, some of those topics, I'm trying to think of what else there were at the beginning, really turned out to mm-hmm. be there was not a giant gap right. between Rape, what the Bible teaches. Yep, all those things. What yeah. the Bible teaches what the Bible seems to really teach about this and what our basic understanding is in today's yeah. world. Yeah. And so I, I feel like in a lot of those topics, you would say, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think the, I don't, I, which is strange to me. I didn't expect that answer on those. Mm-hmm. Is the Bible immoral by today's standards? 
I would say, when it comes to those headings, no. In fact, in many ways, part of how we got to today's standards was through the Bible. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember, I mean, when we were discussing sexism, it had never struck me until something I read in preparation for this that week that there is no natural argument for equality between the sexes. Mm -hmm. And that was a big eye-opener to me to realize, wait a minute, there's not. That's not That's not a thing that happens in nature. That's not a thing that... So where did we come up with that? Why Why are we even having this conversation? Yeah. And it's been such an... I don't know, just a common conversation for me my whole life that I, I feel a bit like having the conversation of equality between the sexes is like, is a fish in water. Mm. Well, I mean, you don't even think about it. Yes, there should be equality between sexes. Right. But I don't even ask about why. Where did that, where did that thought come from? Why would there be? Mm-hmm. And where did the thought that there should be, where did that come from? And, and the thought that, man, that really probably comes from the Judeo-Christian worldview that taught that. Yeah, and we can look at other world religions today and see that that's not a thing mm. in those world. A lot of times in those world religions, is that there's yeah. no even pursuit of that. There's no concept of that. Right. And and yeah, in Christianity, there's a debate about the roles of men and women, yeah. which we discussed, or the I don't know the differences between men and women, and those are ongoing conversations and yeah. debates. But but no. No, f- no discussion that is faithful to Christianity or to the Scripture should ever debate whether or not men and women are equal in value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think some of that is like the perception that Christianity is immoral on any of the number of issues that you just mentioned. A lot of times, like we talked about, it's either a misunderstanding of Christianity and right. a misunderstanding of what Christianity teaches or a Christian in your life who has mishandled it or has been immoral, right? Has been immoral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of times with those and, but, or in the past Christians in the past. Yeah, exactly. Or a group of, yeah, a group of Mm -hmm. Christians. Yeah. And and so then kind of the flip side of that though, we also came into some topics that were like, okay, depending on um, the cultural standards of the day, some things the Bible considers immoral, right. Would be considered moral. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, that's where the question was like, okay, well, is the Bible immoral by today's standards? What standards are we yeah. doing by, you know, the cultural standards in the USA or wherever? Then you could argue, yes. Yeah. That's for, you know, if for the, the way we reasons. asked it, is the Bible immoral by today's standards of LGBTQ yes. equality approval affirmation? Yeah. Yes, it is. And so that's, it's kind of weird because I felt like the first part of this whole season was us saying, Hey, you don't need, you can hold your views and hold Christian and hold faithful to Christian views at the same time. Right. So you're just, you're the way you hate genocide or the way you hate sexism or the way you hate, like you get to Mm -hmm. keep hating those. You get to keep having that view. It was kind of a relief of like, it really was. This is good news. This is good news. Like we're in a, we're in a good spot here. We're really I don't have to change my views mm-hmm. in order to match scripture on some of these things. And obviously in a lot of cases, I, I thought through a lot of these before and already had some concept of that, but I was so still caught off guard by how, how well mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, not perfectly. We're not pretending like there's not issues. Cause we've said that mm-hmm. all along. There are hard passages, hard places. There are places that we go. I don't, I don't know how we would apply that today. And we've looked at those. We have. Yeah. We unpack them. We're yeah, yeah. we're not afraid to look at them. But then at one point it switched when we switched topics. Or not yeah, we went to topics, sexual sin. Yeah. 
and and that it is there is no doubt that today's and again what what we what we realized was what is what but today goes by today's culture by today's standards what do we mean mm-hmm. the common standards taught in through the media yes mm-hmm. the bible is immoral by those standards the yeah. bible does not celebrate the current sexual revolution yep. in general mm-hmm. yeah yep. the bible does not celebrate them and many of the behaviors that are celebrated in that movement are mm-hmm. co- forbidden mm-hmm. in the bible and which means like if you're holding to a biblical understanding of these things, it is going to take sacrifice and right. is going to to be uncomfortable and, and put you in opposition to culture. Yep. Which, yeah. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Which is just, again, yeah, I think, I think that's part of us realizing that, 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 that is yeah. not going to life and death are always going to have mm-hmm. some breaches. There are going to be yeah. some differences in, in freedom and slavery and, yeah. And there are going to be some differences there. And what what we believe is that, of course, that the biblical perspective offers more freedom. Mm-hmm. And and we've recommended several books, articles, mm-hmm. podcasts, yeah. websites, all kinds of stuff for that further conversation. But and, it was intriguing to kind of go, wow, I'm surprised that the answer is not yes across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then as we kept going, I started thinking, wow, we got we're getting yeses, you know, green light, green light, green light. And then we hit sexual sin. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. and there we go. Yeah. yeah. This truly is. So it's almost like to say, if you're deconstructing your faith because you're so uncomfortable with how sexist the Bible is, you probably don't need to be deconstructing your faith. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's, that is now probably not super justifiable argument for deconstructing your mm-hmm. faith because of that. But if you are deconstructing your faith because the, you're, you're frustrated with the fact that the Bible condemns certain sexual behaviors, yeah, I mean, at, at least... At least you're right. It mm-hmm. is. It does forbid certain sexual behaviors, mm-hmm. and um, and we believe that the what the Bible teaches about sex is mm-hmm. more freeing, is is better. Yeah, we trust God in that, but also can understand why someone would say, "Well, if that's what if that's what the Bible teaches, I'm not willing to accept the Bible's teaching." Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's legit. And that's what I was going to say too, is like, okay, if you're, if you've joined us like not super long ago, we have actually also unpacked, why do I believe the Bible? Oh yeah. Why is the Bible? And so if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm struggling because you're saying that this is, it's like, well, why would you, why would you be hateful? Why would you do this? Right. Mm -hmm. According to what, how I see things know that our, our view comes from, okay, this is what we believe about the Bible and what we believe about who we are in relation to God's word. Right. And then how we need to conduct ourselves. That yeah. might be some and, good, you know, some good ones to do. I know we're going to have probably at least two or three weeks or more of kind of best mm-hmm. of episodes during yeah. the holidays. Maybe those would be some of the ones we would do to go back and reconnect to some of those could be really good. first ones. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I think you're right. And I think it goes back to the, the question that we all have to answer is a lot of times we want to either make a decision um, about faith based on how we feel about it and right. whether or not our culture is in alignment with it. And I think some of what this study has showed yes. us is like, at the end of the day, we have to decide, you know, whether, however we need to do that, whether it's studying is scripture trustworthy right, or right, the person yeah. of Jesus. But um, at some point we have to decide, are we going to align ourselves with what God says, regardless of culture? Because culture, I mean, if anything, this has showed us, sometimes it does align, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't and right. that's not the point. Like, that's not how we yeah. 
have to make the decision of whether or not we're aligning with Christ at the end yeah. of the day, because it's transient. Yep. This is part of, uh, I feel like my, the next conversations are maybe just because the season, not meaning Christmas season, meaning voter season up mm. until recently, but I feel yeah. like, you know, our next, our next season needs to spend some time on, and our questions, we have some questions that indicate this too, yeah. that politics and the church or politics and Christian faith is a common reason for deconstruction right now that people get fed up with the politics uh, one way or another, and they feel like they have to make a decision. But it, here's what struck me, and we may have mentioned this on the podcast last time a little bit, but like it struck me how many people voted who would say that I'm a Christian, but then they voted as something other than a Christian right. as their primary we did, yeah, identity. Yeah, we, we did mention that. So yeah. that's what, it struck me that that, that is a, that's a real thing. And that one of the hard things maybe for most people is to recognize that being a Christian means being a, that's your identity first. That's right. the, the core of your identity mm-hmm. and that you seek to vote, for example, or mm-hmm. serve or volunteer or picket or mm-hmm. <laughs> name it, all, whatever it has to be. And let everything, as, as Paul says, in the letter to the Colossians, everything you do word or deed yeah. be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's even, even maybe the hardest part of, of may, and maybe this is the hardest part of being a Christian in some ways, is acknowledging that I'm choosing Christ's way over not only the culture's way, but my way. Mm-hmm. And so here's what I would love to do, and here's what I want to do, and here's what I feel like doing, and here's whatever, but I have to decide to do what I am answerable to Christ for doing with this life. And that, that, is hard. Yeah. I mean, that's a to, to pretend like that's not would be silly. Like it's not a sales job. This isn't well, and you know. it's like compounding the dying to self that we're called to as believers. So it's like it's one thing to die to yourself of what you want. That's hard enough <laughs> right. as it is. But then also, it's like if that also means culturally, I'm now at odds with everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Then that's even more. So it yeah, seems so like, like another layer. It's of another that. layer of dying to well, yourself or a group yeah. of people that you want to be a part of. Yep. Um, or were previously a part of, it's just like layers mm. of that. I don't know if you've, um, I think it was Al Mohler's podcast, not that long, maybe a month ago, as mm. far as a month ago, but referencing what he called Republican relativism. Um, I've so, not listened to that so just, you know, there was just a vote about LGBTQ issues and recognizing marriages and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a number of people on the right side of the out, 12 people, I think Republicans voted for with the Democrats to do this thing, and I, I don't want to try to unpack it right here. We might yeah. come up in our next topic, but yeah, I was like we're we're jumping, jumping into, into it. Our... I knew it. But here's what struck me is is that he called that he said you know Republican relativism is when a Republican has a relative who comes out of the closet, oh. like their son or their daughter mm. has now come out and said I'm gay or I'm a lesbian or I'm whatever, and then that Republican begins to vote pro LGBTQ issues mm-hmm. because obviously family, how they're, you know, someday I'm not going to be a Senator, but I will still be a dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a part of me is like, yeah. So it's like they're warring identities. Yeah. They're yeah. war and they have yeah. to prioritize one. Well, mm. the idea would be as a Christian, when my identities come in conflict with each other, when there's warring identities, mm-hmm. my identity in Christ has to be the top one it has mm-hmm. to be the most significant one. And so even in a situation like that, when you go, yeah, being a father is more important than being a senator, but is, if I'm a Christian, is being a Christian more important even than being a father? Mm. And, and those are some of the conversations that we've got. Yeah. And, and when people vote, it just drives me nuts when people say like, oh, that, this is how this block voted and this mm. block voted. And so, yeah. 
like, there's, and I feel hard. like there's, there's so also, we'll need to unpack some of that. yeah, so there, there'll be topics that we can unpack. There will also be hopefully some, um, conversations that we can have with people who yes. have had, you know, a crisis of faith or a deconstruction story because of the political stance of their parents or, mm-hmm. you know, where, where they grew up and how that kind of played into, okay, well, do I believe this just because I live in this place and everybody, mm-hmm. right. everybody around yes. me votes this way is, right. is this mm. real or is this just kind of relative to what, where I'm, where I'm at, yeah. you know? So it's a next, it's a logical next step since we're talking about culture. Yeah. We've kind of been talking about culture in this, mm-hmm. this Great series. point. I, on that note, um, people have probably noticed that, that your partners in crime have, have been, have <laughs> dwindled, been, have dwindled <laughs> just a tiny bit. Yes. Do you want to, do you want to talk to that? Chris Lang? Yeah, because I'm bitter. <laughs> I need I need a place to, to kind of vent exactly. So here to vent. We, we confessed last episode. We're going to confess again. Here we go. <laughs> exactly we, right. We were oh, confessing. Yeah, I forgot time. about the confession. Chris, yeah, time. Chris is disdain for Just all things fake deeper. cinnamon. They fake cinnamon. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Deeper confessions um, every episode. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> Please no. But as people, I mean, as people may or may not know, Chris shared what when we started this podcast. He he was um, on staff here at South yeah. Spring, and then. Yeah, transitioned. Transitioned to a different church. <laughs> the, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, he transitioned to uh, a different church in Dallas, to yes. Watermark in Dallas, and he is uh, um, thriving over there to such a degree that they, I think, they finally busted him. Yeah. Uh, continuing to do that. No, I'm kidding. That's not no. what happened. <laughs> um, a, a meeting, a meeting began to be planned at this time mm-hmm. that he's having a harder and harder time skipping out on. Uh, so he has let us know that though he wants to still be a regular guest, so he has said he needs to be off the podcast mm-hmm. for the time being, um, but that at he wants like to be regularly. at least regularly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that else, that's one. We kind of guessed at that. If you, if you were, if you were part of the podcast way back with that, you can, we actually made jokes about how long this would last way yeah. back then, but um, he tried really hard to make it last a long time. And I feel like he obviously was very faithful to make it last a long time to be able to be a part of this. So yeah, I agree. We'll so, miss him as part if, of it. But for if sure. anyone was like, where is Chris Sharon? <laughs> exactly. He's okay. He's exactly. just he has Dallas. not deconstructed. Yes. He has not uh, abandoned us. Whatever. Amazing things at Watermark. That's right. And yes. we're begrudgingly letting him <laughs> <laughs> serve the Lord somewhere else. Oh, no. my fine. <laughs> no, that's fine. so good. That way. But hopefully, all that to say, hopefully we'll have him on this again yeah. at, at yep. least. That's for sure. And we actually want other guests as well. Mm-hmm. I would say if people have recommendations mm-hmm. for guests, that would be a fine thing as well to yeah. let Colson know about it. We that we don't promise that if it's you that you'll get on the podcast, yeah. but um but deconstruction stories would, mm-hmm. would be helpful to us. And 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 if you know of things that you would say this is a big part of yeah. why people I've seen around me deconstruct their faith. Yeah. Um, that would be helpful as well. We've done issues about in the Bible, issues in the church, and now I think this was kind of season three. Was the is the Bible immoral by today's standards? And then we're going to look at church and Christianity and politics and how all that plays out. And so I'm sure everyone will be offended by the time we're done talking about that. So. And we're not going to become a political commentary uh, podcast. Absolutely not. <laughs> so Please no. For people who just got stressed and decided exactly. now that they're yeah. going to stop listening. <laughs> it actually won't be. I don't know that that will even I mean, we might go through some platforms and discuss why that's hard for people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some planks in the political platforms, if yeah. I may. Um, but uh, that won't be the main purpose. It won't yeah. be trying to, we're not going to be trying to argue is, is, 
you know, socialism unchristian or Christian like that, yeah, that what that's not going to yeah. be what it's all about. It's going to yeah. be how, what is the proper role and how do we engage with that and yeah, why it causes yeah. people to deconstruct. Exactly. Uh, another thing I did want to say, there is another podcast called uh, Reconstructed Faith uh-huh. um, that I saw recently. And basically it was talking a lot about, uh, and, and I think there's only like eight or 10 episodes and um, that one is talking about less about like individual stories and kind mm. of the way that we're talking about it and more reconstructing the um, the credibility of the church in America. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And so if you see that, one, it's not us. I think it's by the Gospel Coalition. Oh, cool. Um, oh, interesting. It's just, but it's, I th- I'm pretty sure it's a limited series. Okay. And so if you're like... That that could be a good thing to listen to. I'm just saying, if sure. you've seen that, that came up. I was searching recently. I was like, oh, but then as I started listening to it, I was like, okay, this is actually a different perspective. And we may actually hit on similar things as we're talking about yeah. the church and politics and mm-hmm. uh, credibility and That's kind great. Of where things are. So Credibility is a big issue. And interestingly enough, I feel like that's part of what the connection to politics yeah. in the church can cost us mm-hmm. is is the credibility. We link ourselves to something other than Christ. And then when that thing falls apart, it costs us credibility, rightfully so. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just part of it. So that's kind of where we're moving in our direction for the next season. Great. Um, But right now we're kind of, we're into uh, the the Christmas Christmas season. season That's right. right. And so we're, as we said a second ago, we're probably going to be posting some older episodes that we got a lot of feedback on or a lot of traffic on to hopefully, you know, bridge the gap. We're going to be meeting and kind of talking and recording some additional episodes. Yeah. And maybe episodes that are topics that are likely to come up over Christmas. Exactly. Exactly. And so one thing we wanted to take just a few minutes on, we thought it might be fun is deconstructing Christmas. Are there things that we can deconstruct about Christmas? <laughs> Just as a, a fun a fun exercise. There you go. Good weightlifting symbols over there. Yes, I can't yes, see yes. you on the I know, podcast. I know. Um, I talk with my hands. Okay, I was thinking about this. Okay, let's hear it. Just my initial thought. Yes. Is I was thinking about this as we were spending time with some family this weekend. And I think something that's hard for me about Christmas is when something becomes so culturally saturated. Yes. And I mean, not even talking about materialism, that's like a whole different thing. But like, <laughs> just when it becomes so culturally accepted, it it is sometimes discouraging to me to try to add like the meaning back to Christmas. Yeah. Because huh. when it's something that's like, yeah, we've all heard this story, or I think we were even watching like Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. And and when it comes to something that's so culturally accepted of like, oh, yeah, this is like a it's almost like the feeling of a fairy tale that we all celebrate yes. so that we can be united for this time of the year. And huh. we like the feelings that it gives us and tradition and, and nostalgia. The tradition. And all yeah, all of it. Not not saying any of that is bad, right. but I think it's sometimes frustrating for me to engage with people who um, aren't believers during that time, because adding the the weight and the gravity of, of the actual story of Christmas and helping them understand, no, this is real. Like all this part is cultural, but then this part of it is, is real can be really discouraging. And I just kind of was processing that this weekend. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. And it fits in really nicely with kind of where we're going with this. Um, but yeah, I feel like before we're done, probably one of the things we're going to need to do, not in the next season or the next one is deconstruct the uh, deconstruct slash reconstruct the conversation about the church, Christianity and psychology. 
Um, because with Dr. Peterson right now, Dr. Jordan Peterson, he's teaching through series on books of the Bible right mm. now, which he's an agnostic, yeah. but he's teaching through them from a purely psychological perspective. And in fact, there's a podcast out there where he is discussing with a couple of Catholic priests about Christian doctrine and Christian statements. And he keeps coming back to, no, 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 you guys, keep, you guys are making a mistake. You keep, uh, I wish I could do a good Jordan Peterson impression, but yeah. <laughs> you keep, you keep trying to anchor all of these, try to anchor all of these ideas. I don't know how to do it. Anyway, but in the, uh, in time and space, mm. and you need to stop doing that. You need to focus on the psychology of what these are, of what these things mean, the symbols, not, but you keep trying to anchor them in time and space. Like that this is a historical event with a historical person. Yeah. And so that was my best, Jordan. B. I don't know if you could tell; it's slightly different. Um, anyway, see, anyway. see a little nasally, and I thought that was good. Yeah, good yeah, yeah. Tried to say a little some Canadian things, yeah, but the yeah. um, uh, <laughs> take off, eh, you hooser. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, I think we're going to need to come back to that because uh-huh. I think this is one of the attacks on Christianity that's coming. Is no, no, we fully embrace Christianity, completely, fully embrace it. Everything Christianity teaches is so good. I mean, it's all myth. But it's so true, and I, I think that's going to be the wrestling match as Christianity is also learning to reinterpret Scripture in healthier ways that do sometimes make it have a more of a mythological feel in some of the deep mm-hmm. Old Testament, mm-hmm. and then how do we not take that too far? But anyway, the reason I think that's significant is, culturally speaking, because Christmas was always a cultural response. Mm-hmm. Um Wait, you mean that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th? I don't know, <laughs> but I would bet against it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really, really massively. Um, I had to laugh when, uh, for example, one of the one of the really, really dumb, poorly researched, poorly done arguments against Christianity is the whole, that it's just a recapitulation of other religion, mm-hmm. of, of like oh, yeah. the story of Horus or the story of whatever. Uh, and so I think it was Horus. I'd have to go back and look up the details, but that Horus was yeah. born on December 25th. And that's one of the proofs that Christianity was like stealing that from the story of Horus, which is like, what was shocking in the research is there's no evidence that Horus was born on December 25th either. Like there was no such thing as December 25th in the Egyptian calendar. Where did you get... Just making stuff up. Anyway. um, Wikipedia. (laughs) I don't think even Wikipedia was born. Christmas being cultural. But Christmas, yeah, it always was because we, for the first while in Christianity, the birth of Christ was not focused on. Um, it was obviously the death and resurrection of Christ that was the emphasis. And we know very close to when that happened, it was mm-hmm. at Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no question that that one, but no one knew when Jesus was born and it just didn't really matter that much. I mean, he was born. That's what matters. And so, but the early Christian church, when it faced paganism, eventually chose certain holy days mm-hmm. and it, Typically, the early church liked to place the holy days on top of the culturally significant days already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of like a redemption of that day or a competition with oh, it. Oh, okay. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so, mm-hmm. let's, let's see if we can put the pagans out of business, was probably mm-hmm. part of it. And so, when, when the early church said, well, what's, we need to pick a time for Jesus to have been born, um, the best evidence would be that they chose the winter solstice because that was a good pagan time to compete. It was a good time to compete with the pagan faiths that all practiced um, pagan mm-hmm. worship at the winter solstice, which is around December 21st on today's calendar. But huh. 
but um, around that, uh, but around, around the time that time that we now observe, right? And Christmas. so the idea was, how do we, you know, that we're going to celebrate the Christ Mass, so Mass being a Catholic church ceremony, and the Christ's birth Mass would be during that time, and and so they started celebrating all the the Christ's Mass at that time, beginning to compete with the pagans. Now, what we now know that always happened was that, you know, your your everyday old European peasant mm-hmm. apparently just kind of combined the two celebrations into one celebration. Right. And so you ended up with Christmas being a, a, a strange version of celebration where we, we mix in all kinds of strange things, Christian and early Christian and pagan. So it's funny to me that today Santa Claus is one of the ones who gets kicked out of Christian celebrations because he was actually a Christian addition yeah. to, 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 he was a, a saint, an early saint. I can't remember which, which church was he a bishop of. I can't, oh man, I should know this. What was Saint? Um, Saint Nicholas. Oh, right. Nicholas. <laughs> um, Bryn, Bryn wasn't well, allowed to, <laughs> Bryn wasn't allowed to do Santa growing up. Exactly. Wait, were you, did you do Santa growing up? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, but like I asked questions pretty young yeah. and my parents were like, "Ah, eh, we're just going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we, I mean, we did gifts tell and what? things, but. Spoiler but, alert. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause we have a lot of five-year-olds <laughs> listening to the podcast. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we did. It was just like, we knew who Santa was from a young age. Nicholas, uh, Mira. Uh, Mira. M Y R A. Myra. Which is in where? He was a bishop. It's going to be... North Pole. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be Saudi Arabia, probably. Uh, North Africa. Yeah, in, near Egypt. Yeah, okay. Palestinian Egypt. There we go. Um, yeah, but we did we yeah, did Santa, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't like a surprise. I mean, we were right, always right, like, right. okay, right, we're going to send yeah, out yeah, cookies. Yeah. Dad, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. it's fascinating that a lot of the celebrations, like, yeah, he's the one who's famous for punching a heretic. Yeah. Um, for decking a heretic, what'd you find? Redfern's doing some research over here. <laughs> we have a new okay, guest. Okay, so in case this is John Redfern. <laughs> this is just a quick Google search, so please, everything that you read on the internet is true. That's right. That's what um, Abraham Lincoln says. Why did St. Nicholas become a bishop? The Bishop of Mira, who had succeeded Nicholas's uncle, had recently died, and the priests in the city had decided that the first priest to enter the church that morning would be made bishop. <laughs> Nicholas went to the church to pray and was therefore proclaimed the new bishop. Perfect. Wow. That's how we hire people here. Too. Timeliness. <laughs> um, the early, early bird gets the, the early bishop catches the, the early <laughs> priest catches the bishopry. Um, new new way we're saying that. And That's he was how famous. We should make decisions from now on. Exactly. The first Just, person to walk in the church will <laughs> be in charge of. Um, so uh, he was famous for the during uh, he got fed up with uh, a heretic who kept singing and screaming his heresy in the, in a big meeting. And so according to legend, St. Nicholas is the one who just punched him, um, which that's a, there's some great shirts out there that talk yeah. about. I mean, there's a lot of Saint Christmas Nicholas. movies coming out that portray that version of Santa <laughs> yes, more <exactly>. than <laughs> with his, and his machine guns and everything else, his bombs, explosives. Yeah. Slapped so, Arius yeah. across the face. That's the, that's the legend <laughs> is that he slapped Arius. And it had to do with the, uh, heresy of, Jesus being created, created. Yep. Arianism is the, Jesus was a created being. Huh. Um, and uh, it's the one that Dan Brown talks about a lot. And um, interesting. 
whatever his book was. Uh, oh, way to go, Sam. Uh, the something, something. Um, so I, how do we get here? Yeah, where were no, we? So, <laughs> so Saint, Saint Nicholas is a Christian addition to the whole story of Oh, you're Christ saying a mask. lot of Christians yeah. decide to get rid but, of Santa of yeah, all the... of all the things. Yeah. It's kind of like changing the name from Halloween. I've always thought that's funny because Halloween is the Christian name for that experience. Fall Festival, however, is a pagan name for it. So uh, Sam Hain, and so it's a that's a... Fall for the fall. Anyway, it's a whole other conversation. I actually have this on my website. If you want to look it yes. up, I have quite a bit there. Yes. Um, but yeah, they celebrate, of course, evergreens. The pagans did um, mm. during Christmas. You want to celebrate life where you can. And so the evergreens are there. So that's why it's why we cut down a Christmas tree and bring it in our house is to celebrate evergreens, which, of course, others came along later and connected to Christ yeah. um, as well. Because it is, that's part of why I'm like, people, when I sometimes I'll share this and people go like, so do you, I guess you don't use a Christmas tree anymore since it's rooted in Druid paganism. Like, no, no, Druid stole it from God. I mean, God, God made the trees. <laughs> Pretty sure that was his deal. Um, not that the Druids didn't make yep. the trees. They just took them over. Also, so my tree up. is plastic. So there. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure it is. Um, and so um, Yule logs are based on mm. this, the coldest, longest night of the year. So you need, you saved your best, thickest mm. log to burn all night during yeah. that time. And even the exchange of gifts may come from the fact that at the winter solstice, people would come out of their houses and see who was still alive. And the uh, people who were dead didn't need some of their supplies. And so they could give it to some of the people who did still need it. And, like that may really have been a leveling out of supplies. And anyway, it's just, it's just wild. But that was where, that's probably why do we celebrate it December 25th. Yeah. So it's wild that we stole it. Christians, I'm saying we mm -hmm. stole it from the current pagan culture a couple of thousand years ago. And now the modern pagan culture is stealing it yeah. back. Um, and so as Christians, of course, we still continue to celebrate it according to its meaning. But yeah. So what are health, yeah. like what are some healthy ways of deconstructing parts of Christmas that need to be deconstructed? And I feel like John Redfern's going to have some <laughs> you, thoughts. I just want him to talk about the, uh, um, I'm just glad you finally admitted you're here in, uh, in this room with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just I, stay real quiet. Maybe I they won't ask you any questions. I earlier and <laughs> it was not in context. It didn't yeah, make sense. Something John was doing. Um, yes. Restate your question. I just want, I just want Chris to talk about the, um, the manger, the manger, because it's, it's the, the deconstruction. Again, y'all talk about this all the time. The deconstruction happens when you have that like moment of, Oh gosh, everything. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah. I, I don't, yes. it doesn't make sense. And that cognitive dissonance can happen with really small things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like, like mangers. That like was my mangers. big one. Yeah. That was a huge one for me in Israel. Yeah. And you guys have both experienced as well as standing by this big stone thing. And again, the teacher going, what is this? And you're like, I don't, I don't know. It's a feeding trough. It's a manger. And so like, uh, it's not a wooden, a little wooden thing built low to the ground that, that has little, a little X on the end with little slats. Like, <laughs> That no one would use wood for that in Israel. That'd be a terrible waste of wood there. They have very little wood and lots and lots of stone. And so you would make your manger out of stone. Mm -hmm. And of course you would make it also the same height as the animal. So it's well, assume, at least of the animal's mouth. And you go, well, well, but what about pigs? What are they going to eat of if it's too high up? They didn't raise pigs in Israel. Um, and so almost pretty all their much. animals were pretty tall. Well, they had some Sheep. in the area, you know, or the <laughs> yeah, we know they, prodigal son wouldn't they make weren't sense, supposed to do but, it, but they weren't supposed to do it. And I then probably just threw it on the floor. That's exactly right. Pigs but just then on the ground. when you discovered like, oh, the manger was probably stone. 
Oh, it just shocked me. And it yeah. blew it blew all my Christmas nativity scenes out of the water, like the Tale of Three Trees book. Like it just like so Whoa. many things began to fall <laughs> Easy apart. Killer. Exactly. And so that actually is in a weird way, that is the whole model of deconstruction mm-hmm. and then reconstruction. Right. Yeah. So it's not just that, oh, there was no manger. Like there there was a manger. It just wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It probably was a stone, stone feeding trough, mm-hmm. which by the way. You know, you're about to have a baby. They don't change. They don't make changing tables at one foot off the ground. Yeah. A changing table is at 36 to 48 inches up. So it's yeah. Think how nice it would be to lay your baby in fresh straw at about elbows height on you. That that's where you would lay. Well, of course, you would lay them in that. It's not like some horrible, you know, little <laughs> nasty trough down there. It's you mm-hmm. would change out the straw and you would lay the baby in there in cloth. And actually, probably wasn't he probably wasn't the first baby to be laid in a manger. Um, at different times. And, you know, that was probably something done and that probably they had baby beds inside that looked a heck of a lot like mangers. Yeah. That is it. That's why we did the three wise men last year mm-hmm. is, um, you know, the, the, we three Kings is that it, there's probably not three of them and it wasn't Kings. And, yeah. and I think that's such a good example. Christmas is a good example of how often we end up constructing something that's not, that doesn't exist. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's shocking and painful to us when we learn it doesn't exist. And right. it makes us want to throw out like, oh, forget Christmas. Right. No. Or well, we would never do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So you're like, throw out all of Christianity because, because of one thing or one aspect or um, one thing that makes that's really hard for us. And, and again, like we said, a lot of times what you can rebuild is better yeah. than what you had to tear down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people, they tear down and they find great comfort in tearing down the lies and they don't realize they're not done yet. Right. That there's still and work it to doesn't be done. mean that we can't like celebrate or participate in the parts of Christmas that are like, okay, you can have a wooden manger scene in your front yard if you want. <laughs> yeah, it's not absolutely. like a sin, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily negate the weight of all the parts of Christmas that are true and real. And that's right. Um, meaningful. But well, what I mean, say Redford. Yeah. Just, just that, that, <laughs> that it's not, it's not untrue. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's the, you know, things that have been handed down to us because of the understandings that we've had over the years. And, and, you know, we, we like to point at those mistakes as like, well, those people who believe that or led us to believe that are idiots and we know better. (laughs) It's like, no, they really had a lot of things that we don't have. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's kind of the nature of uh, the, the push against, orthodoxy and everything like that. Like right. I, you, you look at the, the conversation that, um, that St. Nicholas is, or the um, altercation that St. Nicholas is, um, known for. Right. And he was defending that Jesus was, uh, not um, a great, be, he was begat, not created. Not created right. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was, uh, he is the, um, coexistent and, uh, the same as he's part of the Trinity with God, the father, um, how many of y'all are having that conversation right right now? Yeah. Like how many of y'all are, are, are defending that level of, uh, heresy or whatever? Like you, you're not, and you're not having that conversation. You don't even know where to start with that conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, like, it's just, it's one of those things that it drives me crazy that we, we think that we're so smart and that's where these, a lot of these deconstructions come from and that feeling of. I deconstructed all these lies. Look how smart I am. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're not smart enough to reconstruct anything because you 
didn't actually do anything. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I think there's a value. There's, I mean, we've talked about this constantly, but there's always a value to reconstructing. But I think when it comes to Christmas specifically, it's really encouraging. And the depth of the hope that is provided by celebrating the things that are true at Christmas adds so much weight to the Christmas celebration that I've been a part of. And we all have been a part of Christmas celebrations that are void of that hope and yeah, that meaning right. and that depth. And it's really empty. Like by the time. It's, no, it's full. It's, it's just full of liquor. Well, <laughs> yeah. So often. That's what I was going to say. That's and it's not that for. like celebrating with family or having good food and all those things are right. meaningless. Yeah. It's just in comparison to the weight of that hope and the messages that can also join those celebrations. Yeah. You say it's, weight and, and I totally agree with you. Weight is a good word there, but also like the, the joy yeah. that's involved, like the actual um, being filled with hope then leads to joy, like the 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 opportunity that we have to remember in this season mm-hmm. the joy of a baby being born. Yeah, um, the, tell me about it. I'm I, I'm, I'm looking at you. <laughs> it's it, it's a very real thing. Yeah, um, yep. and that in and gratefully you are going to get to experience that in a way that not everybody gets to in that your baby is being born in this time. And that will remind you over and over and over again of that joy, but it should for all of us that have children, we Mm -hmm. should remember the excitement and the, I mean, there is some trepidation there and don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) but the, the joy of that child coming to you is, is, uh, um, a real thing. And, and, and it's, it kind of sets everything else down in your mind. And I think that that's another reason that this is so important to remember in this time mm-hmm. yep. is this gift that is given to us is um, world and life changing. Yeah, definitely. And it's significant to celebrate even if Jesus didn't actually come this time of year. It is right significant yeah. to set aside a time of year to, to celebrate. celebrate it. Yeah. Yep. That's what I said a couple Sundays ago is we need we need times like this because we should be celebrating the coming of Christ, the Emmanuel all year. Mm -hmm. But we're terrible at that kind of stuff. So we need to set aside special times to remind us, to realign us, to get us back on track. So what an Ebenezer is. That's right. Good reminder. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.